back in the day, an eight-year-old, right, would know how to use a gun and they would go out and they'd harvest yeah. the animal and bring the meat back, field dresser, bring the meat back. And nowadays you ask a kid, you know, where milk comes from and they say the store, a carton, almonds. Yeah, I, mean, I still don't know how they milk them almonds, but. Yeah. You can milk um, a cat. <laughs> I guess they're getting milk from roaches and mice now too, but anyway, I digress. But. <laughs> we both do, yes. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macrow. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. This episode is brought to you by Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Presser is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, Custom Poker Chip Company, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Presters is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you! Hey everyone, welcome to Meet the Pressers. My name is Clint Macro, and this is my esteemed co-host, Matthew Mallory. Meet the Pressers is a safe place for people that press triggers to talk about training, guns, gear, gadgets, sometimes religion, and political activism. Today we have a very distinguished guest. Matt, why don't you uh, give the introduction? Most definitely. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, former member of the U.S. House of Representatives, published author, and many other things, Tea Party activist, Sir, it is a pleasure to have you here. How are you today? Well, I'm waiting to see who the distinguished guest is. <laughs> so, but thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to be with you all. And, you know, I can't think of anything better to do to go out and press that trigger and enjoy that incredible right that you have right behind you on the wall there, Matt. Yes. Yep. That was actually given to me by one of my students. He, that's the second one he gave me. First nice. one he gave me was the first one he made and then uh, surprised me. Yeah, he wouldn't take money from me either. It's uh, yeah, he and he loves seeing it on the show. Every time he sees me, he goes, "Thank you so much." That's cool. Yeah. So you, sir, have had a, a a long history in public service in this country. Exactly what time in your life did you truly recognize the Second Amendment and have an appreciation for it to uphold it and fight for it? Was it when you were a kid, or was it in military? Uh, or yeah, or? yeah, as a kid. I mean, the the first real uh, understanding of the Second Amendment when. My mother pulled out her little 38 special. She said, I brought you into the world. I'll take you out of it. <laughs> and so that was very clear that mom had the right to, you know, kill me. Uh, and, and then, of course, dad had his uh, nice shotgun. He, you know, when I got to be at the right you know, age, he told me what the shotgun was. But, you know, early on, you know, we got the Daisy uh, BB gun. And, and of course, uh, when I got to high school, junior ROTC, I was on the shooting team there. And back then, we actually entrusted high school cadets and Army ROTC to shoot 22 caliber rifles, yeah. uh, this air rifle or whatever. So I really got interested in that. I mean, my granddad used to go out and hunt, and so I'd go uh, with him when I could. So all of that was part of, of my life and, and being there. And then, of course, when you take the oath to uh, serve in the United States military, you take an oath to the Constitution. You cool. don't take an oath to a political party. You don't take an oath to a person. And when you study and understand history, 
The Second Amendment is there because of one reason. It protects all the other rights that we do have, because if you don't have the Second Amendment, you don't have the first, you don't have third, fourth, any of those other rights. And that's why we have to fight so hard to keep them. Back in February, I had the opportunity to go to the University of Michigan, not exactly a conservative bastion. uh, And I talked about the Second Amendment to those students. And when you broke it down to them, you start talking about Tiananmen Square, or you start talking about those college students over there in Hong Kong, what they were standing up and fighting for, the exact same thing that a lot of our young college students want to give away. Uh, those rights and freedoms. And when you get them to understand, here you are on the campus of the University of Michigan. It is an open campus. Anybody can drive onto this campus. And then you express to them, your police force doesn't even carry a weapon. So who is your first line of defense here on the campus of the University of Michigan? And so you have to put the, this, this, this thing that we have called the Second Amendment in very personal, uh, appealing ways to anyone to get folks to understand, you know, just the same as when my daughter was here in Dallas uh, at SMU getting her master's degree, she had to stay late at night, sometimes stay overnight Mm -hmm. there on the campus doing a lot of uh, experiments because she was in uh, microbiology. Uh, I wanted her to be armed. I did not want her to be a victim. I wanted her always in any case be a victor. So when you look at what is happening right now in our country, where you have some people, these elected officials, these governors that are saying that eh, gun stores, not essential. That is the way that you start to undermine that incredible right that we have. And right now, you all know, I'm sure you've reported on it, the incredible mm-hmm. amount of background checks and purchasing mm-hmm. of, of firearms. No one's purchasing a firearm because they're going to shoot a virus. Right. Right. They're purchasing right. a firearm because they're concerned about the tyrannical overreach, which we do see happening. Yeah. Well, a, a well-armed and educated citizenry is the true fourth check and balance of our constitutional republic. And I feel one of the potential positives that's going to come out of this current epidemic crisis is that we now have a whole lot of new gun owners that have come over to the side of liberty to exercise the right that they had that they maybe didn't exercise before. And I've often found some of the best advocates are the folks that were on the other side a few months ago. You know, the the best advocate to tell people to stop smoking was the guy that just recently quit smoking. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these folks that have now jumped over, I think are going to be great allies for us moving forward in our pro-liberty pursuits. Oh, without a doubt. And you consider... Uh, in New York, you know, with this bail reform initiative that they have, and I hear Matt laughing, but it's so insidious that you are releasing people to go out into the public, but yet you're trying to tell the public you don't have the right to defend yourself. Yep. I read this past week, uh, weekend, a week, that there was a young man that was arrested, 24 years of age, arrested three times within like a 24-hour period, and, and, and still he was getting released because of the bail reform out there in California. So you have these folks who want open borders, that they want to become sanctuary cities and and sanctuary states, but yet they want to tell Americans they don't have the right to defend themselves. So you're right uh, so much. I think that we are going to see an incredible amount of folks that are going to realize the importance of them being able to protect themselves, Clint. And uh, we got a big issue down here in Texas, as you know, uh, Michael Bloomberg, and uh, I call him Mayor Big Gulp, you know, uh, but him and his Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms Demand Action, we saw what they were able to do in Virginia yep. in the 2019 election cycle, and they only spent 2 to $3 million there. 
they're going to spend eight to ten million dollars here in the state of Texas to try to replicate and do the same uh, to push more gun control candidates to try to win over the Texas State House. And they have already uh, dumped their first batch of about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of commercial ads to run against uh, Dan Crenshaw. That's the first ad that they have out there. So they are going everywhere to try to push this. And as you know, we have that fellow by the name of Robert Francis O'Rourke out in El Paso. Uh, and Joe Biden has said that he wants to put him in charge of his gun problem. You know, when did Americans, law-abiding citizens, law-abiding gun owners, legal gun owners, all of a sudden become a problem? And so that's one of the critical things we need to be emphasizing in this election cycle. Yeah, Colonel, you hit it right on the head. And here, here in New York, it's uh, there's a gun store west of here, uh, past Rochester, that the uh, the governor's uh, henchman had called up and told them that you need to close. And if you don't close, we're going to revoke all your all your New York State licenses. So any anybody in there that had any kind of license that had to do with the state, they were threatening to revoke all their licenses and fine them if they stayed open. A gun store. You know? yeah, yeah. And ask yourself, guys, when did we come to be in the United States of America where public sector elected officials can tell private businesses they must stay shut? Yeah. I mean, that is an incredible overreach. And so that's why you see a lot of people that are taking that chance. We just had an incident out in Hector County, which is Odessa, Texas, where a business owner sought to reopen and, you know, had civilians try to protect them and the police came in and started to, uh, to arrest people. Mm -hmm. So we're getting to a point where civil disobedience is going to be on the rise. And, yeah. you know, here in Dallas County, we have a lady by the name of Shelly Luther, who has told the uh, governor of Texas and the county judge, you know, I'm not keeping my salon closed. I mean, you cannot make the decision who is essential, who is not essential. You cannot decide which part of the Constitution you think is applicable based upon your ideological agenda. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is going to be an, an incredible year, an incredible election cycle. And I think that's really what we can learn from this whole COVID-19 thing is the usurpation of our rights and freedoms and liberties. I'm Jara Hutchins with Clearing the Chamber, and this is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mowry and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. The government is in the mindset of needing victims. The government is yeah. in the mindset of needing people as part of a dependency society because therefore they control you. When, <laughs> when they control you know, the fact that you can come or go out of your house or where businesses can be open, we are on the verge of seeing socialism uh, being implemented here in the United States of America. And let's go back and talk about this whole thing about the public good. You know, we're dealing with something, a virus that has a 99.6% recovery rate. Right. And all of this, you know, histrionics and panic, paranoia, hysteria has been created over something that we know who the most vulnerable part of our society is. It's those people that are 65 and older, mm -hmm. those people that have those underlying medical conditions, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, right. heart disease, obesity. So why are we not focusing on protecting those individuals that are the most vulnerable instead of trying to have this carpet bombing approach or this cookie cutter approach. And really what it boils down to is the government saying how much of our rights, freedoms, and liberties can be taken away. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. on April the 2nd, James Clyburn, who was the chairman of the House Pandemic Oversight Committee, Democrat from South Carolina, said, this pandemic gives Democrats tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, they're telling you exactly what they're Absolutely. doing. Yeah, the, hu so the hubris, right? The hubris. And so, again, coming back to the Second Amendment and coming back to what those incredible patriots, the Sons of Liberty, taught us on April the 19th of 1775 at Lexington Green, they let us know that an armed individual is a citizen. An unarmed individual, you're going to be a subject. Yep. And so all of this is tied in. When James Clyburn is talking about the pandemic giving the tremendous opportunity to Democrats to restructure things to fit their, their vision, we see that happening. So, you know, they have taken this, as Rahm Emanuel will say, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Indeed. And look at all the things that they are doing. You know, I, I don't call this, a, you know, a, a shutdown, lockdown. I call this house arrest. I call yeah. this illegal... Uh, martial law, and uh, because they really don't have a basis, a constitutional basis by which they can do this. Tell Americans that you must stay in your house. You can't go here. You can't peaceably assemble. First Amendment right. You can't go to church. Another First Amendment right. No. Uh, if you talk about, uh, you know, protests about what we're doing, uh, that's going to be taken away from you. You're going to censure off of social media. This is an important time for us as Americans. Well, that being said, what what um what advice would you have? I mean, obviously, uh, um, peaceful disobedient disobedience is uh, is one option. Are there other thoughts or other processes? You know, being on the governmental side at one point, uh, being in the military as I was, you know, there, there's a lot of back end stuff that that we know and we're privy to. Um, so, what can our our listeners and our viewers um, be able to do to be able to to at least let the government know that this isn't right? You open up your businesses. And and you start challenging them to show where they have that enumerated power to tell you that you cannot pursue your own happiness. That's one of the inalienable rights that you have endowed not from man, endowed not from man, but from the Creator God in our Declaration of Independence. So if there are people that want to stay in their houses, that stay in your house. But you cannot go out and tell business owners at at the risk of them losing their livelihood that they have to stay shut down for something that, like I said, has a 99.6% recovery rate. This, this fear-mongering rhetoric and language that we hear being, uh, you know, eschewed out there, we've got to move beyond that because we're not a nation of fearful people. We're, we were, are not descendants of fearful men or women. So I think that, you know, going back and, you know, having been brought up down south in Georgia, I remember the courageous act. The, the simple act of civil disobedience in 1955 of Rosa Parks. And look what that started. Yeah. Just a woman that said, I'm not going to the back of the bus. You can do whatever you want, but I'm not going back there. And it encouraged others to say, we won't either. As a matter of fact, we just won't even ride the bus. And, and look at the economic impact that that had. We have now created a situation in America where 30 million, over 30 million Americans are unemployed. We see small businesses that may never come back. Here in Texas, we have over 2 million Texans unemployed. So I think the most important thing is to say, you guys do not have the power to do this to us. Because if we start allowing you know, elected officials to declare who and what is essential in America, that goes down a very bad path. It's that sheeple mentality, right? It is, that sheeple yeah. mentality. Mm. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a guard dog. Amen. Folks, it's Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. I train cops in all 50 states. I, uh, I train every uh, military armed forces, all of our tier one spec ops. Uh, I also train civilian sheepdogs. My book on combat is the definitive reference for those who are going to be in the fight. Issued in the DA Academy, Marshals Academy, Marine Corps Commandant's Required Reading. 
a lot of other books, but one of the ones for your purposes is my book, Sheepdogs. It's for kids. It's about becoming a sheepdog, getting their head right, getting their heart right. It talks a lot about military law enforcement sheepdogs. People said, Dave, I'm at the NRA every year. What about all of us civilian sheepdogs? Well, we wrote the book, Why Mommy Carries a Gun. But for all of you sheepdogs out there, all you magnificent Americans who are, who are pushing the frontiers of freedom, you need to be at Meet the Pressers. I love that name. We're all trigger pressers. We are all pressers. Come meet the pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro, awesome Americans in the front lines of freedom. Be there. You'll be glad you did. Meet the Pressers. We first met actually at the uh, the NRA prayer breakfast in 2017. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I was down in Atlanta, my hometown. Yeah, yep. yep. born and raised. Yeah, took a photo together, and then uh, yeah, so that was that was awesome. And three years three years later, look at this. We're, we got you on the okay. show. No, no, this is great, and I, and I hope we get to do it again. And you know, I, I think it's so important that you know you talk about the National Rifle Association, but we need to also have strong state uh, associations. You know, when you look at what happened in Virginia in response to what they were trying to do, that was the that was Virginia crazy. Civil Defense League that mm -hmm. really pulled people together and organized that protest. And, you know, here in Texas, we have the Texas State Rifle Association. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe it's really important that at the grassroots level, down at the state level, down to community level, we start to talk about, you know, preserving our rights and freedoms and definitely with the Second Amendment, right? Because when you have a person like a Michael Bloomberg that you know he can just hemorrhage billions of dollars. Yeah. You know he gets to have protection. He gets to have security. Mm -hmm. So why is it that he gets to make that decision that we should not be able to and and to spend billions of dollars to try to get elected officials that will support his agenda? So going into this election season, I think it's so important that our state uh, Second Amendment associations really step up and really do a good grassroots uh, effort and activism to get people to come out and fight against this uh, top-down, heavily money-backed uh, movement that from the left. Well, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, I've, I support many national organizations, but I'm second vice president for Firearms Owners Against Crime here in Pennsylvania, which is the preeminent local uh, volunteer uh, Second Amendment group here in Pennsylvania. And we're heavily involved with vetting candidates and helping to support pro-liberty candidates, which is something that didn't seem to happen in Virginia in the last election cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, there were guys that were running unopposed. And, yeah. and um, a lot of times I think citizens will just see an R next to someone's name and assume that they're pro-gun, or they'll see a D next to someone's name and assume that they're anti-gun. And, and largely Democrats are indeed anti-gun, but not all of them. You know, you have to do the research on those candidates. And we have a very, uh, very thorough vetting process. So when we give an, a recommendation on a candidate, you can rest assured that uh, it's, it's solid. It's not just based on one questionnaire. So uh, we've been working real hard to get people to the polls. And I think one of the things that um, the, the opportunists that are taking advantage of this crisis, this COVID crisis, is to disrupt the election cycle in 2020. Mm -hmm. Much like in Texas, Pennsylvania, we're kind of on the cusp, man. Uh, we have a, a pro-gun, I'll say a, a pro-gun majority in the legislature, but it's a pretty thin margin. And if we lose a few seats, we will be in the exact same boat as Virginia next year. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing, you always hear people when they talk about uh, the state of Pennsylvania is that uh, you have Pittsburgh and you have Philadelphia, you have you know Alabama in between. And so we've got to make sure that not just you're talking to Alabama in between, but you have to take that message 
into those urban population centers where, especially in the black communities, uh, you see so many that are living under fear of the gang violence that you have. Look at mm -hmm. Chicago. But yet that's where you find some of the most stringent gun control measures whatsoever. So I think it's critical that we start to talk about, you know, this Second Amendment, this freedom, this liberty. It's not about R&D. It's not about uh, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. It's about a freedom. It's about you being able to, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, your own self-defense. And we've got to be able to articulate how if you find a person that does not believe you should have that Second Amendment right, I guarantee you that person does not believe in you having any of those other rights as right. well. This is reminiscent of uh, Katrina and martial law and them going mm. around and taking people's guns. And I, I fear that that might be the next step where, you know, they, they've made everybody stay home. They've closed gun stores. They've, they've, they allow in New York state, they're allowing liquor stores to be open, but you know, other yeah. places can't be. You Keep can't them go dumb and drunk and yeah. they, can, they can pull away your, your rights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. It's crazy that, that you can't have a gun store to defend yourself yet. They're letting, they're literally letting criminals out of jail because they've got the coronavirus or they're worried about them getting the coronavirus. It's like, so criminals can be out walking the streets, but legal law made any citizens around home arrest, house arrest. Well, that, I, I hope and I pray that the, the hubris of these people will ultimately catch up with them because I do know some people that um, frankly are, are anti-gun. I've worked in the music industry. As you can see, I got a studio behind mm -hmm. me. That's, that was uh, my profession for many years. And, and, uh, talking to some of my music clients and film clients that I worked with, you know, they did not see the value in the second amendment, but I've talked to some of them recently and they're now seeing the governmental overreach that's happening in their democratic controlled States. And they're starting to wise up a little bit. And so another, again, I pray another benefit that will come out of this, this uh, crisis will be that those people will help us to reset things come election time. Well, they have to, but the key thing is for, you know, folks like yourselves, Matt and Clint, and all the other people out there doing podcasts and talk radio, you've got to stay on that message. you got to yeah. get people to understand that. You have to be consistent in presenting it. You know, you think about every single totalitarian regime, uh, you know, socialist communist regime, they have always started with one thing. And they have started with disarming the populace. Right. Once you disarm the populace, then you can decide what is freedom of, of speech. Then you can decide what is freedom of expression. So that, you know, when you talk to your you know, friends in the musical industry, one day someone's going to say, yeah, we don't want you writing those type of songs. We want to have more control over what your lyrics say or what books are being written. You know, remember all the book burnings that happened in Nazi Germany. Yeah. And early on, you know, Hitler uh, decided to institute a, uh, the National Gun Registry. And, and what happened with the National Gun Registry? They knew exactly where all of the firearms and weapons were. Chairman Mao, same thing. Joseph Stalin, the same thing. And look at Hugo Chavez in 2010, 2011. First thing that Hugo Chavez did was to ban private gun ownership. And it always leads down the path of taking the remaining rights because you don't have a means by which you can protect not just yourself, but those rights that you've been given. So that's the connection that we have to start making. And look, there's always going to be a contingent of people out there that, you know, as the drill sergeants used to say to us, Matt, they're just stuck on stupid. But <laughs> But for the most part, I think yeah. that there is 60 to 65 percent of the American people that say, I don't want to live like this. And there are too many examples of it. But that's why you all and your voice and your platform, it is so important. It is so powerful. 
that we have to continue to hone this message and be consistent with it. Because we in America have kind of this little soundbite mentality, little drive-through, you know, window mentality. So, you know, we'll get past this, you know, COVID-19 thing and everybody's like, oh, well. But guess what? This is going to happen again. Because what folks have realized is that you can take the American people to that brink of fear and they'll roll over and, and, and allow you to do whatever they want. And so the next time we'll see what happens. But this is going to happen again unless we understand our personal individual rights and freedoms. Well, history history uh, teaches us many things if we bother to look at it. And you referenced April 19th, 1775. You know, I was always taught growing up when I did that the uh, Revolutionary War was fought because of taxation without representation. And of course, if you know history, you know that, yeah, that might have been something at one point, but that was actually cleared up long before the shooting war started. Mm -hmm. The problem was when they came to take the guns because it took away their ability to defend themselves and frankly, at that time, even to feed themselves. The left is very good with their vernacular and their language. Universal background checks. What's wrong with that? It sounds very good. Yeah, okay. Well, that means that uh, you guys are going to start registering and knowing everything and what everyone has. And guess what that ends up being? Hey, this is Yehuda Reamer. I'm the Pew Pew Jew. You can find me at thepewpewjew.com and I'm here on Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. Are you seeing, or have you seen uh, across the country, it being more of a, the, the Democratic governors are more tight, more restrictive versus the Republican governors are a little bit more loosening up? I know federally, the president has said he wants to get the country back to working, obviously, and he doesn't really dictate whether the state has to close, but no, of course you've seen that. I mean, you see that with the governor of Pennsylvania, uh, Governor Inslee in Washington State, the governor of Oregon, Governor Newsom in California, uh, the woman that has lost her mind in Michigan, Governor Whitman, yep. uh, and, and then also you take it down to some of these county elected officials. Here in Dallas County, where I live, Clay Jenkins, down in Houston, uh, Harris County, Lena Hidalgo. So yeah, it, it, it is, they're recognizing this gives them an opportunity. Uh, and so now, even here in Dallas County today, they're going to have a vote on whether or not people can claim COVID-19 as a disability or say that it is uh, so, so, such a fearful uh, you know, virus that they should be able to have a mail-in ballot. So that's how they're, you know, once again, trying to circumvent you know, even our electoral process and electoral system. Now, I will tell you that I was surprised with uh, the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, who I served in Congress with. I mean, he's way over to the left, but guess what? People went up there and uh, to Denver and they started to protest. And they said, you know, open Colorado back up. And, and he has taken a different course of action. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, and, and now uh, also we're even seeing, you know, sheriffs who are coming out and saying, you know, we can't enforce this. This is totally unconstitutional. We're not going to find people. We're not going to arrest people who are out there, business owners, they have every right to have their business open. And you tell them what the guidelines are and allow them to mitigate that risk. So we are seeing that in Arizona, which happens to have a Republican governor, Governor Ducey, and then also again up in uh, Washington State, a couple of sheriffs there as well. Anything on the, the NRA that, uh, that you, that you're, uh, you know, you were a board member at one point, no, I'm right? still a board member. You still are, I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my second three-year term. Uh, nice. I'll be coming up, let's see, in 2021 or 22, 
uh, for for re-election there to be on the board. Look, it, it is so important. I mean, the NRA right now is having some some hard times. There's no doubt about it. And I think it's a time. This is a great opportunity for having new leadership with the NRA. But again, I think it's important that we support our state level uh, Second Amendment associations because that's where the fight really is. And uh, the the NRA will will correct itself. It'll it'll right ship. It's going to be tough. And and I think that it's indicative of when certain people are in a leadership for position for too long, perhaps they start to believe that the organization is about them and that they are not there to serve the people, but the organization and the membership is there to serve them. Uh, and I've been vocal about that. I've, I've had some some acts of retribution against me, but I don't care. I can still look at myself in the mirror. But the NRA and its history is founded there in New York. It's a great organization. And it is the preeminent organization to make sure that that Second Amendment is protected. Well, Clint and I are both uh, NRA training counselors. Uh, I'm a life life member. I'm, I'm not sure what. Uh, Clint, are you a life member as well? I, I can't go any higher with my membership unless I like give them my house when I die or something. I think that's how that works. And they'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, we certainly have, have, have supported and will continue to support the NRA, especially once this ship is corrected. But I do agree that the true boots on the ground and, the, and where the money is needed mostly are those volunteer grassroots Second Amendment organizations that work at the state level. That's right. So you've got some. You got three books and a fourth one coming out. Is that is no? That right? I, I have three uh, that are out. Uh, it's Guardian of the Republic, is, which is the first one's kind of like a philosophical biography. The second one that came out in October 2018 is called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death, and mm -hmm. talks about how important Texas is for America and what makes Texas so unique. And then the last one just came out in February. It's called We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. You can order them on Amazon, and maybe when Barnes & Noble uh, opens back up, you can get them at your local bookstores. Cool. Yeah, Matt and I have both have, have articles published, and uh, Matt's actually working on a book for USCCA right now. I can't imagine the workload that would go into doing a, a full book, like you know, multiple pages. I think that would be quite a bit of work, especially with as busy as you are. Well, you know, it's... it's it's important that you sit down and you put your thoughts to paper. And, you know, I always want to try to create a book that is not just something that is, you know, worthy in a certain period of time, but it can trans transcend time. Yeah, nice. uh, and that's why, you know, I've, I've written those three that talked about my philosophy and what makes me who I am from, you know, my family on up through my military service. And then talking about, you know, here in Texas, the fundamentals of rugged individualism, you know, business entrepreneurship, and then the last one, I think it's important that we reconnect the black community with its conservative roots and values uh, and principles, uh, because when you look at the failure of the policies of the left, you see it right in those major population centers. And those major population centers are always the places where they try to undermine the ability of people to be able to defend themselves. And that's why Otis McDonald challenged the city of Chicago and it went to the Supreme Court in 2010 with McDonald versus City of Chicago that made sure that the Second Amendment applied to those you know, states and also to uh, the local municipalities. Be the first kid on your block to have your official issue Meet the Pressers logoed gear. Visit the Meet the Pressers merchandise page on BallisticInc.com to get your high quality American-made Meet the Pressers shirts and hats. 
thinking back as far as you uh, classes and training you've taken all these years, is there somebody, somebody or multiple people you can look at and say, you know, I consider this person a mentor, a great instructor, they made it personal or it really lasted through your life? I will tell you that without a doubt, you know, my dad was awesome. my greatest teacher, instructor, mentor. When my dad sat me down at the age of 15 and, and challenged me to be the first officer in our family, he was a corporal in the Army in World War II. My older brother was a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps in Vietnam. All the things that my dad, you know, shared with me and talked to me about, you know, when he says stuff like, you know, a hit dog will holler or an empty wagon makes a lot of noise or never read your own press or drink your own tub water. It's those little simple things, those little simple Southern, wow. you know, maxims that, you know, carry on with me still to today. And that's why I think it's so important when you talk about the strength of family and having that traditional family, having those strong fathers in the home. You know, when I was born in 1961, it was about 74 to 77% two-parent households in the inner city, in the black community. Today, it's only 24%. And look at the things that are happening in those communities. So yep. I think that it all starts in the home. Uh, it starts with a good mommy and daddy to inculcate those lessons. As it says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they grow, they shall not depart from it. I'm a living testimony to Herman West Sr. and Elizabeth Thomas West and all the things that they trained me up to be. Amen. You got lots of uh, huge presence on the interweb there. What would be the best way for folks to keep tabs on uh, new developments, maybe speaking engagements, your sure. book, anything else? Well, you can follow me at uh, theoldschoolpatriot.com. That's the website where I post a lot of thoughts, perspectives, and insights. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm also running to be the uh, next chairman for the Republican Party of Texas. And that website is west, the number four, texas.com, west4texas.com. Very neat. Well, it's been truly an honor and a pleasure to have you on, sir. And we'll be back. Thank you very much for your time and coming on the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Clint. Stay safe, sir. We will. God bless. There's a lot of sponsors to make this show possible, like Mantis. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, Custom Poker Chip Company, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you! Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click the little bell, Come on Patreon, help support us that way. Come to one of our classes or host us. We can come to you and do one of our courses at your location. So until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.